You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1051 of the Lots of Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday morning. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Today's show will be myself and Tyler Jones, a part two of two. Tyler and I talked over the weekend for about an hour and a half, and the first part of that came up on Saturday. And part two is here. We talked about the uh, free agency stuff and DeLon Wright on the last episode. Today's podcast, more draft-centric, getting Tyler's reaction to Jalen Johnson and Shreve Cooper, etc. But first, some news to hit on on the top of a, of a pretty long episode, so hopefully you guys enjoy this sort of deep dive as we get into off-season mode here on the podcast. But the first bit of news is that Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report repeated, uh, reported some stuff on Saturday that's pretty interesting for Hawks fans. Um, one part of that report was about John Collins, and he re- he reported that, uh, quote, it appears that Collins will resign with the Hawks following their sprint to the Eastern Conference Finals on a deal that, that could surpass $120 million in overall value. Jake also said later on, on Saturday, on Spotify Green Room, that he's heard the offer is five years and 120. I have long projected uh, on my own that the most likely outcome for the Collins situation is a five-year deal in the 120 to $130 million range. I think it'll get done at some point in, in the near future, but nothing official yet and nothing I would say that's like, definitely saying it's going to happen. But I, I've, I've been saying for a while that I project the Hawks to bring back Collins if I had to make a projection, and there you go on that. Also, Jake reported that league sources believe Lou Williams may return to Atlanta on a vet minimum contract. But later over the weekend, Mike Scott of Hoops Hype reported that Lou is looking for two to three years on his next deal and that teams like the Pacers and the Bucks are, quote, expected to pursue, end quote, Williams in free agency. So I'm not really sure what to believe on that one. You know, Lou is a pretty interesting guy. It would not surprise me if he wanted to come back to Atlanta because he's from here and seemed to enjoy his time. But also, if there's big, bigger offers on, on the table elsewhere, he had to consider that. So a long way to go on that. And uh, I did say on the last podcast with DeLon Wright that I thought that was not going to close the door on Lou's return. It probably makes it less likely, and I, I stand by that. So we'll see what happens with regard to Williams and the Hawks. Also, some reminders for Monday because the pre-agency period opens at 6 p.m. Eastern time. On Monday, technically it's a moratorium, so nothing can be signed, but deals will be reported and consummated beginning later this evening. And there's always been already been a lot of chatter on all kinds of fronts. Obviously, the number one domino for the Hawks is Collins. He could sign as as soon as Monday night if they agree. Obviously, he could uh, agree to the deal on as soon as Monday night. And the Hawks also have the two extension possibilities with Trey Young and Kevin Herter. I went through these in detail uh, about seven or eight shows ago on the podcast about the salary cap, but Trey and Herter. Can, ex- can agree to extensions as soon as free agency begins on Monday, or at least late into the night on Monday, depending on where you look. It's either 6 p.m. or midnight on the extension front. It's definitely 6 p.m. for the free agents. Um, everyone, I will say this, everyone will be shocked if, if Young does not come to a max extension pretty soon after he's able to. There's a little bit of negotiation on like player options or stuff like that, but I think everyone knows or at least projects that Trey will be getting the max from the Hawks in the very near future. Herder is a lot more difficult to project, I would expect that if that gets done, it'll, it'll, take, it'll take a little while to happen. So I think you'll, we'll probably get news on the Trey front in the next day or two, is my, is my guess. And then uh, if it's Herter, it will take a while. And obviously there's no urgency there necessarily. And we saw last year with Collins, they're not afraid to walk away from the negotiations in terms of the extension. 
Beyond that, though, the Hawks have 10 players under contract as free agency opens. That includes uh, DeLon Wright and Jalen Johnson's guaranteed contract. That does not include Sharif Cooper, Skylar Mays, Nathan Knight, Lou Williams, Brandon Goodwin, Tony Snell, Solomon Hill, or John Collins. So, obviously, some flexibility from last year's roster. The one guy that we uh, pretty much know will be around is Sharif Cooper because they just drafted him, but there's no standard second-round contract. So, it could be a two-way. It could be uh, other options that they could sign him with, but... He'll be around. I'm not really sure exactly what the contract's going to look like yet on Sharif. Then there's some qualifying offer questions. Uh, Brandon Goodwin did not get a qualifying offer this week, so he's, he's actually a, a guy who is hitting the market unrestricted at this point in time. Um, that was one of those that could have gone either way, but as soon as the right deal happened, I thought they might not offer him that because it's about $2 million. He probably would have signed it, so uh, he'll now be unrestricted. The Hawks cannot match any offer on, on Goodwin anymore. Um, Skylar Mays, though, is restricted after Keith Smith reported earlier today on Sunday that the Hawks gave him a qualifying offer. Uh, the qualifying offer for a two-way guy is another two-way, so it could be that Mays just comes back on that, or um, maybe another team will want to sign him away, and the Hawks will have to match that or not match that, but he is at least under control reasonably now that can match any offer on Skylar Mays. No more Nathan Knight just yet. I would probably guess that the Hawks did not offer him that, because I, I, I think we probably would have heard about it at, at this point in time, but nothing official yet that they did not offer him a qualifying offer. At this stage, at any rate, though, there's some roster flexibility. They could talk to obviously talk to guys who are not on the team as well as free agency opens. So lots of questions to answer. The biggest one being backup center, and uh, other than Collins, of course, Collins is number one, number two, number three, probably all wrapped in one. But backup center is the only other spot in the roster that's an actual need at this point in time. So we'll spend some time on that in the coming days, unless the Hawks pounce on someone on the first night, which is definitely possible. So. All that said, a lot to get into, and uh, 6 p.m. on Monday is going to be coming fast and furious. I will have another podcast going into Tuesday uh, to sort of break down the first night of action, and we'll touch on that tomorrow. All right, without all that out of the way, a word from our sponsor on the podcast, and when we get back from that, we'll have Tower Jones and myself talking about the NBA draft and much, much more. But first, a word from our friends at Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors that there's something for absolutely everyone? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and available this week only, get the new Built Bar flavor, it's grasshopper cookie. What does it taste like? Well, this is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without all of that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. My favorite flavor always changes, but this is one of my favorites. It's fantastic. And if you haven't tried all of the flavors just yet, you can get a mixed box where you get to choose. We'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're also very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. Only 4 or 5 grams of sugar and only 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. If you order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like, Built Bar is the place to do that. And it's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, get 15% off on your next order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's 15% off your next order if you use the promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Let us go to the draft, Tyler. Uh, we've teed it up this far. Uh, I know you have thoughts. You seem very excited. Uh, I'm going to open it up to you. Where do you want to start with the Hawks' two-man draft class? Uh, I kind of want to start with who, who wrote – was it Sharks that wrote, wrote the article on The Ringer about how our team's going to copy Schlenk's, uh MO when it comes to drafting? 
Uh, that sounds familiar. I'm sure I read it. I don't know if it was John or not, but I, that does sound familiar to me. Regardless, it's like, so in this draft, one, I mean, considering how deep this draft was, I mean, there was just a general, Brad, there was just a lot of good basketball players in this draft. Uh, unfortunately, some teams didn't actually draft the good basketball players in the lottery for some reason. <laughs> uh, who was um, that shot I, at this time other than... Uh... I mean, who... Can, can, all right. One who is a good basketball player, but kind of speaks to just in general the low ceiling that they have for themselves. Like the Pacers drafting Chris Duarte at 13. I mean, it, I, I it's think It's a very Duarte, Pacers pick. I mean, Duarte's going to be good. He's yeah. he's probably a good basketball player right now, but they just don't have any interest in ever rebuilding. The Pacers are just going to be a forty-six win team from now until the end I mean, of time. That's fine, but Duarte's not going to move the needle for you. At least go higher upside. Like you guys don't have this is, a this star. is what they do. I'm telling you, the, the Pacers just like to be pretty good. <laughs> like the Pacers don't have a star to you know complement Duarte's game. I. I, that 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 pick, but I mean, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, point. sir. They have they have they have all star Demonis Sabonis. You, you forgot about that? Oh man! Oh, that was, that, was a long, that was a that was a long period of silence. I really appreciate it. That wow! Sorry. I'm just saying I they, for, they have they, I, they have know, Eastern Conference all star Demonis Sabonis on the roster. We so. bring we bring it up him and Vooch. Oh Vooch! <laughs> we bring him up every time I'm it's, on the podcast. It's too now, good. But I I forgot I forgotten Sabonis made the All Star team last well, year. I I kind of did for a second, and then you, and then you said star, and my brain went to Indiana, and then it just it, it occurred to me that was a great time for the bit. So there we are. Yeah, yeah but like, on. but my my point is this: it's, it's like these teams who are just passing on lottery talents, like like a Jalen Johnson who. I, to me, he's one of the ten most talented players in this draft. I, I you could probably, you could even potentially make a case that he might be one of the five most talented players in his draft. Like, like passing on talents like that to draft somebody like Duarte, like I, I just don't get it. Like I, I, I don't get it. I'm like, you're just, you're selling, you're selling your fan. Like to me, you're selling your fan base short, and you're like, w- w- what's the Pacers' end game taking Duarte? Play fighting for the play-in tournament and getting bounced in the first round. Like, you guys just – you literally fired Nate McMillan for getting swept every year in the playoffs. But those teams didn't have that much talent. And and now you guys have even less without Oladipo, and, and you're not re- trying to replace him with anybody. Like, Duarte's not going to – Duarte's not going to help you, help you guys – um, next year as much as you need him because at the end of the day he's still going to be a rookie and the NBA grind is so different than college like it's going to be a, a you know a learning curve for him so I, I just don't I, I don't know but regardless you know on the Hawks side like you know this this is kind of Schlank's MO like he's going to take best talent available regardless of fit, we've got back-to-back drafts where he doesn't care what the roster looks like this year. He's trying to draft for the future. Like, he's draft. like, to me, it felt like Schlenk in this draft in particular was drafting two years ahead. I, he's drafting I totally for guys agree, who's going to role you players, do. <laughs> role players or, or guys who are going to play a significant role in this team, Hawks team, two years from now. Not not next year. And, that, and I mean, honestly, not, not for this upcoming season. I, mean, I think maybe you agree with me or not. I don't know. I think that's what you should do, particularly when you are, when you have this roster. The Hawks are deep already. 
they're already good, and no one they were going to take was going to help them this year. And we saw a lot. So, like, if I think that's always the case. I think you always draft for best player available and you draft for the future. But even more so with the team they have right now and the situation they're in right now, if, if, you, if you wanted to help the team right now, you trade the pick. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't draft somebody at 20 thinking you're going to help the team this year or even next year, to your point. Like, if you're going to stay put, I think that's the move, is to aim for a year and a half, two years from now, take the upside guys, take the talent, and see what happens. And I, I, know, I know Schlenk's like batting a 1,000 on top 20 picks, but, you know, this is the approach that I would have had. It doesn't mean that you have to take these specific players, but that approach makes so much sense to me overall, and again, especially with this team right now. Yeah, and... um I guess we can spend a bit of time talking about the Cam Reddish thing. Uh, I, actually, yeah, I, I I talked about it for a second on the post draft pod, but because it didn't happen, I didn't do like too much about it. So yeah, wh- where was your head at as a Cam Reddish enthusiast? There. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, you are you're a Cam Reddish enthusiast. I mean, that's, I know, that's true. I know you, you you got you got. I, I'm I I love John Collins, which is true, and I I, I love Cam Reddish. Like no, I just all, love all, this guy. All, all joking aside, uh, you are definitely a John Collins enthusiast. I, I know you like Absolutely. Cam. I, I like I like Cam as well. So I've always been high on Cam. So I'm not I'm not I'm not pointing to you on that one. I, I just know you like Cam, and I know Hawks fans were not happy for about a 24 yeah, hour period. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. There was there was there was a lot of nuclear option going on, which is interesting because when. When, when when Kevin Herter was available in the last draft, and John Collins, like I didn't see this fervor, so it's just I'm telling Cam, you, man, Cam, the Cam the Cam, Cam fam is strong. It is strong. Cam has a cult, man, and I and I get it, man. He's super talented, but I the thing I understood uh, coming out out of the jump, I understood why Schlank, why Cam Reddish was in these trade talks. That doesn't mean they offered him like. Being available is different from we offered uh, the 20th pick and Cam Reddish to move up to number 13. Uh, like that felt like an aggressive overpay for a draft that, you know, the tier, like after the top five, everybody's kind of really after the top four, everybody's kind of the same caliber of basketball player to me. Um, so, like, I, I didn't, I don't think they ever offered that but like i'm pretty sure cam was a you know he was like yeah we'll give up cam reddish if we can get you know a certain player if he's there at 13 or if he's there at 10 or if he's there at eight you know regardless what the trade was and i understood why can't why cam's a name not in there and not kevin herter right let's start here kevin herter is a proven commodity for the hawks like kevin herter is just flat out good and furthermore, the Hawks have Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, and Bogdan Bogdanovich all expected to be playing starter or near starter minutes next year. That just doesn't leave that much that many minutes for Cam Reddish to play. And so if I'm Schlank, I'm worried that if everybody's healthy, Cam Reddish is probably the one who's going to get the short end of the straw here just due to the fact that he's unproven. His jumper is just not consistent. Like I know he made six threes in the playoffs that in, in game six in game six of the playoffs, but like that might have been more threes he made in a month uh, these past two years. Like he's probably had a month where he hasn't made six threes total. Like that's just that's just the type of inconsistency consistency the Hawks have gotten with cameras on offense. And like 
he doesn't have a defined role on the team yet. And so I can understand Schlank trying to trying to see what his value is compared. You know, how how does the league regard Cam Reddish? Like, wh- how how do certain teams regard Cam Reddish? So like potentially he might be traded at the trade deadline if he's not playing that much, like, and be used as a sweetener or stuff like that. Like he's just. Like, Schlenk would not be doing his job if Cam Reddish wasn't going to be on the mark, like, being available. And the reason why Kevin Herter isn't on these names is because Kevin Herter played incredible in the playoff. Like, Kevin Herter's going to be on this team long-term. Like, he might be the long-term starter after Bogdan's gone uh, in in three or four years, depending on what his next contract's going to look like. Like, that's just, that's just the nature of how Schlenk has built this team. And, like, Herter's proven himself where Cam Reddish hasn't. And so hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, Cam doesn't take it personally. Like it, it is a business. And again, I don't think he was like straight offered, but as every, all the insiders for the Hawks have been saying, like Cam Reddish is available for trades, but it's going to have to, it's going to have to be for value. Like you got to remember the Hawks did trade, got that pick for trading uh, off of Luka Doncic. Now it, <laughs> I wish people were smart enough to realize that them getting that extra lottery pick meant they were able to trade up to get DeAndre Hunter, but because but because we can only look at transactions as one to one instead of as the whole picture. This is your favorite thing. Like nobody 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 points that out. Like it, it's just a, so so. Regardless, like I'm pretty sure Schlank doesn't want to take that PR hit getting hit with every time. You only traded Reddish for, you know, the 13th pick, and you had to give up a first round draft pick, like. That wasn't going to happen. Even, no, even, I, I would have hated even that. If Cam I said, Reddish, I said even as much. if Cam Reddish was the worst basketball player, that wasn't going to happen. No, and but, uh, I, I would have hated it. I, I think you felt the same way I did, but the rumor deal with Indiana, which was number 20 in camp for 13, is just bad value. And, and I know Travis doesn't really care about value sometimes, but... We, what is Travis not care but, but about truth, value, But man. truthfully, like, if you just do the, the evaluation on that, there was nobody in this class that was going to be available at 13 in my mind that would have been worth that trade. Um, Reddish and 20 for 13. Because Cam Reddish, you know, I know we're higher on him than some people are, but I think he would have been worth a lottery pick on his own in this class. Um, so if you do that plus 20, like that's, it's a lot, it's a lot to give up. Um, so I, I know it's like crazy to talk about trading him. I agree with most of what you said there. Like, it, it makes sense that somebody was available because somebody has to be available. And yeah, I've heard he's available, but that doesn't mean to try to give him away. And it also doesn't mean that um, they don't think he's good because eventually, I guess we've kind of all said like they, they probably aren't gonna keep everybody. And that's just kind of the way things go. Tony Russell said it on the record, like not that long ago. Um, so they didn't do it. That, that, and that's why I didn't focus on it too much. And they could still trade him. I mean, it's, as we're talking, it's July 31st. Like they could still trade somebody um, in the next couple weeks. Uh, I think I'd probably guess that, that they don't at this point. But uh, it's just a weird thing whenever anybody gets in, in rumors like way that... Because, you know, with, with Herter and even Collins a year ago, it didn't quite get the same level of, like, fervent traction. Like, ESPN included Cam's name in, like, five straight mock drafts over the week. Like, about yeah. trade stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he was very much out there in terms of, like national people talking about him being available. Woj and that level people like, all right, Cam Reddish is kind of available here. It's like, all right, well, that's a different level of trade rumor. And I, I'm glad you said what you said earlier about like, hope he doesn't take it personally because it is a weird thing. Like guys don't like being in trade, trade rumors. They, they don't like that. And they, and they shouldn't. 
but maybe he comes back and plays his behind off the shoe. Like we, we, we like Cam Reddish. So I think if he gets an opportunity, I to mean, play, he's going to be on the summer league team and the summer league team is going to be super fun. Well, they have said, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, I think Cam might show up to summer league, play one game, look good yeah. and stop playing. Um, but who knows? The practices will be good for him. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't played that much basketball. He had the yeah, like four think, months off. I think they're gonna they're gonna have him in there more for the practice than the actual games because like there's nothing. He's not gonna prove anything. By no, the there is nothing. I mean, other than Hawks fans enjoying themselves watching Cam Reddish play, which is certainly valuable to me too. I I, I want storylines to talk about in summer league. There's nothing he's gonna be able to do to like. This is a guy who played minutes in the conference finals, like. Summer league is not going to matter for Cam Reddish much. It's just getting him out there and playing basketball, which is a good thing. And if if Okongwu was healthy and he was out there, like he probably wasn't wasn't going to play. Same um, thing. Well, I, I, I liken it to what happened with, with, with Collins the last time he played in the in summer league. They literally played him only because they wanted to play with Trey. That was why he played. That was the entire reason why he went to Utah and Vegas that year was because they wanted to play with Trey, and that made sense. But he didn't need to be there. Like he was dominating. He didn't need to be. He didn't need to be there. There was no reason for him to be there other than just that that camaraderie and be able to get some chemistry. And that actually worked out well for them. Yeah, and so hopefully, I mean, hopefully, you know, Cam, you know, does his business, get gets his one game in, maybe two, if he's feeling good, and then you know wraps it up and hopefully ready for the regular season because you know they might need him. You know, they say DeAndre Hunter is going to be healthy. Uh, started training camp, but I mean, they were saying DeAndre Hunter was going to be back after his first knee surgery, um, and then he wasn't back, and then he came back, and then he was gone again. So, yep, I think, and also, I don't know, I don't know how many has it been a full month since the Hawks got eliminated, um, and yet I have not heard a single thing about Bogdan's knee or what was wrong. With I, so I would, like, lo- I would love to know. Uh, I, I asked. A, I poked around a lot and did not get much of it in the way of an answer. And once it was like a few days away from the end of the season, it was obvious they were not going to make an announcement of any kind. Cause there's a, in general, you do not get that kind of injury announcement in the off season unless it's an act, unless it's an actual surgery. And even then some teams just don't report that kind of stuff unless they have to. So I, I don't know the answer on, Bo- on bogey's knee. Um, hopefully not too bad, but it's uh that's an interesting question. That's for sure. Um, I mean that the timeline's short. I mean, also, everybody knows it. The timeline's short here. I mean, Hunter had his surgery a little bit earlier, which is helpful to that. But the Hawks are will have finished playing in the month of July. Their last game was in July, and they're going to be playing another game that counts in October. So, pretty short. That's that's a short turnaround, and uh, you know the East is going to be super competitive this year again. So, Indeed. so they they need everybody healthy, but uh. I guess we can get back to the to to the new guy. Well, actually, uh, but yeah, before we do that, let me take a second to hear from our uh, sponsor on the podcast. We'll be back again after this to talk about Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, Bet Online is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. The promo code is LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Tyler, uh, let us dive into the prospects because it's that time. Let's start with Sharif because we'll end with Jalen. Uh, Cooper, local product uh, from your neck of the woods. McKeachin's own Sharif Cooper. I know, you're, uh, I know you're over the moon, so uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Nah, man, I mean, it's just the exact type of point guard you want playing behind Trey Young. You know, just have another super creator who can get into the paint, draw fouls, and generate uh, efficient offense for his teammates. Like, I can't believe teams, certain teams didn't draft him in the first round. Um, I can't believe certain teams didn't draft him in the lottery. And I can't believe he was there at 48 and that nobody <laughs> just took the flyer and just at least have the draft right. Like, that, that that's incredible to me uh, that Cooper lasted all the way to 48 um, and that the Hawks were able to get, like, to me, a lottery-level talent that far like he's just i mean guys just aren't that gifted with the basketball in their hands like one he has he's has a great live dribble it's talked about all the time i think he's pretty athletic for you know relative to his size i think he's actually way more athletic than trey young i don't know if you agree with me or not i think he's quicker uh more explosive great passer with both hands sees like man that auburn team Again, it's the same thing that Okoro was going through last year. Like, just not a lot of talent, not a lot of shooting talent in particular. Cooper was dribbling in the traffic at all times, and he was just making magic happen for, for that Auburn team. It made them substantially better once, you know, that whatever garbage the NCAA tried to pull with them. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Cooper got, got just – Shreve just got unlucky. The whole, uh, the whole thing stuff. was, honestly, like, I, I'm glad I just you said think, that. I, I, just, I, I just think in general, like, I really think this NCAA thing cost him a lot of money, like guaranteed money. That, um, might, that might be true. I mean, I, I, he still would have had the weaknesses that he has, and that probably is what scared teams away along with the size. But I, I'm generally with you that if he had had a, a more normal season and a bigger sample size of being as good as he was, it probably would have swung some people in his direction. And I'm with you. It's still... Is, we're two days later as we record this, three days later people listen to this. Um, I'm still shocked that he got as far as 48-2. Like, I do, Brett, I, I do the, wonder. He, he, is, he is the best shot creator in this draft. Like, yeah, creating I mean, he's, good offense. He's like, truly you don't want a good <laughs> you want you want you want somebody like Cooper running it. Well, it, um, honestly, to your point, in the entire draft, he would have been the number one pick in terms of, like, off-dribble – like, pick one guy to get into the paint, it probably would have been Shreve Cooper. Um, and also, there are limitations to being as small as he is as a passer, but at a bare minimum, he's a top three passer in the draft, even at that size. So, those two things, like, you can't fit Brad, that. Brad, the type of passes he's throwing, he's the best passer in this draft. I, I, I don't blame you for I saying that. The only reason I'm, I'm even skeptical like is because he, of guys like, you know, guys like Giddy and Cade are just, you know, there's it's, it's a lot easier uh, to make some passes when you're 6'7", yes. 6'8". Six, six, but the Cade Cunningham is an incredible passer. 
averaging 3.8 assists over at Oak State. Yeah. If you, you watched, uh, we've, we've, we've had this fight already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he played, what was the school? Mount Verde with all those first round draft picks? Lottery yeah. talents that he played with? I, yeah, I, I'm I, pretty I, sure he looked incredible. I, he did. I, all, uh, oh my God. all evidence. I'm not saying we, you're we're wrong. Not gonna talk, we're not bringing up this. No, case. we're not. I'm, I, just, I, I'm just pointing out, like, Sharif Cooper, like, the way he's throwing these passes, like how it gets guys, like he's throwing passes to guys that aren't open and he's throwing them in a way to get them open and get them an easy oh, shot. Yeah. He's, he is an awesome like, passer, like r- truly, like, truly gifted at that. He's lead, he's leading these guys. It, it, re- that's why the trade comparisons come up. Cause Trey does the same thing. It doesn't get noticed. Cause Trey, you know, he's, he's just known for his shooting, but, Trey's passing is what sets everything up for his game. And to me, that's why she, that's how Sharif Cooper, even without the jump shot, was still so dominant at Auburn. Like, that's how, how he turned that bad offense into a good one by himself because of his passing and his ability to beat anybody off the dribble, even if they're playing off him. Like, it, it, it was, you know, it's he's just a, like, to me, I'm like, he's just a good basketball player. Yeah. Flat out. Like, he's a good basketball player, and he combines that with being talented. Like, he is talented. The things he doesn't have, he doesn't have size, and his jumper, okay. he doesn't have a jump shot. I, I was going to ask you, because, you know, obviously he's going to be that size forever, so what are you going to do? Um, but the shooting, do you think it I will, can be I will fixed? Say, I will say, though, um, something about his size. Like, defensively, I don't know. I was here, I think Sam Ficini was saying, or not, it might not have been Sam, somebody. Some some by some draft expert who I I do respect. I, I'm forgetting the name because I've been I've been consuming basketball content, <laughs> draft content yeah. draft content for the past like three or four weeks now since the Hawks got eliminated. Because what else am I going to do? But they were saying like Sharif was a worse defender than Trey Young at Oklahoma, and I vehemently disagree. I, I mean, watched five he's, minutes. He's, he's watched, bad. He's watched, bad, man. It was bad. Man, it was bad. Listen, that, true. But I watched five minutes of him against Georgia in a defensive stance. I'm like, I, I didn't see that with Trey at Oklahoma. Like Trey didn't, Trey didn't try. Yeah, I, I mean, it's avoid a screen. <laughs> I saw him avoid a screen, Brad. I'm like, oh snap! It took Trey to the playoffs to even attempt to do that. Yeah, so Trey, I don't Trey, know about uh, that one. Trey's tape was uh, Trey's defensive tape in college was one of a kind. Uh, so yeah, no. I, there are degrees, I guess. Uh, Sharif no, is a bad defender. My, I think you know my that. Point, my my just... point is, my point is with this is like because I think he's just a more athletic basketball. More, he's very athletic. I think there are some things he can do just defensively that are better than what Trey Young can do right now, or Trey what Trey Young could do back then. Yeah. I'm not saying right now, but like, I mean, he's the the biggest issue with him is it's not even his height or his wingspan. It's that he's a one sixty five. Like they they put on they put on, they put him on the thing as being 180. He's not close. He's not close. He's probably closer to 160 uh, than anything else. So like he's got he's got to put on weight. But luckily again, like he's going to a, a great environment. Like for him, uh, you know, though he didn't get drafted in the first round, like getting to play for a team that's already built around somebody that does similar things to him is going to help. Now he's got to improve as a jump shooter, and he. Like, to me, watching him, he's got to actually have a jump shot. Like, he has this weird set jumper that doesn't work. That Yeah, I think it was Glenn Willis, um, friend of the pod, mentioned that, like, you know, guys that 
guys that small shooting kind of a weird set shot, like that's that's tough, man. Like you you gotta get, you gotta get off the floor if you're gonna be that size, or you're just never gonna get your shot off. Uh, I know I know he's really quick, but it's that that's that's tough when you're six foot six one and you're shooting kind of this bad weird set shot. That's not what you would design in the lab. That's for sure. I don't know what they're going to yeah, do with and, it, but I mean, that's, and, and like I'm watching, I'm like, he's got real bounce when, especially when he's going to finish at the rim, uh, you know, when he has a semblance of space, um, like he's got real bounce. Um, he should have a, like a more fluid jumper than the set jump shot that he's taking. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see if, and he's, that's a, that's a, this is why you draft young basketball players though. Cause you can, you can, you know, tamper with his jumper and hope, you know, hope you can get like better results than what what he's got right now. Because the set jumper that he's taking just it, it's just it doesn't have a chance of going in. Like especially not in the NBA with the length. Like Trey Trey Young had to adjust his jump shot uh, to get his jumper off with consistency uh, against contests, and even he still like even Trey still struggles with shooting over length. Uh, just due to the fact that he doesn't get off the ground that high. And so, like, Shreve's got a lot of work to do. But, again, he doesn't need it, though. At the same time, like, the Hawks, one, aren't going to need him to score, right? They, they're going to need him, like, for the Hawks in particular, he's going to be able to come into his own as a basketball player because he's going to be able to just run offense, set guys up, get them in the right spots. Like, he – He's a very competitive guy, like, and uh, I, I mean, I just enjoy watching him play. Like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a fun watch uh, whenever he's he's in the rotation. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be exciting to watch him play. Like, it, it, and I'm, I'm happy that you know, I'm happy that the Hawks got somebody that talented at 48. Like, it's a high school. Really I, I can't, I can't, believe, I can't, be, I can't believe, like the NBA just let Travis get away with it again. Like, they, this, it, it, it reminded me of like John Collins. Dropping to nineteen, like I, I'm like except crazy. I get that because I, at least at I least get... at least John was like projected to go in like the mid teens or like the late lottery. Like Sharif Cooper could have gone seventeen in this draft, and no one would have been like, "Oh, that's really weird." You know what I mean? Exactly. And he fell to forty. He fell to forty eight. It's 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 honestly insane. And this is not just like I know people th- understand that I'm not like a massive homer generally, but I can't tell you how crazy this fall is. Like a lot of people that I trust like up and down had Sharif as a top 25 pick. And that was conservative. Like I had, I had people that I think are really smart that had Sharif as a top 10 pick. Um, he was top 10. He early on in the, like Brad early on at, uh, at Auburn, like through like his first, like eight or so games, he was top 10 on ESPN's mock. And, and that's not, he not, unre- it's not unreasonable because the thing is, and he, he was, he, and he was still good throughout the season. Like he dropped because I, I think like, to me, I'm like, Teams are overthinking, overthinking how to construct their roster. Like they're so they're like, we have to build around Cooper. I'm like, you don't. All you have to do with Sharif Cooper is surround him with good basketball players, and he'll make and he'll make it. He'll make your team run like so well just based on what he can do with the ball in his hands. Like, I, like I, to me, it felt like he dropped because teams were scared. Scared of his size, scared of the fact that he can only play point guard. He's a one one player position. But I mean, yeah, that, but that's inconsistent that's the, the shooter. Thing about but that, like, though, like late in the first he's round, nineteen. 
late he's first, 19 early years second. old. Like that's plenty. I, I, even I, 19 I'm, years old with an elite skill, like an elite, right. elite passing, elite dribbling, elite ability to get to the rim. And and and, and it's like, well, I mean, worst case, he's Ish Smith, but Ish Smith couldn't pass like this. Oh no, and he's bigger I mean, than Ish Smith. It's it's like, really interesting to me because even if and you Ish are been a good basketball player in his career, like I. I do. I'd rather have that than. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think. I think, and we'll we'll go to Jalen in a second. But I do. I do think that even if you do not believe in Shree Cooper's shooting at all, even if you just assume that he's not going to be a shooter at any point, this is still like considerably too low for him to go in this draft, in my mind. Even if you thought that he was just going to be a bad shooter, and that does limit his upside. Like even as as awesome as the passing stuff is, if he's a bad shooter. That does cap his ceiling a little bit, but even then, even if you assume that he's a bad shooter, which I, I won't assume, like right now he's a pretty bad shooter, but he might be able to fix it. If you knew he's gonna be a bad shooter, he still should go in the top thirty. You know what I mean? Like I I don't see a scenario like yeah he could he could fail, but like the talent and what what you said is, is actually really salient here is that guys who have the elite traits like genuinely elite traits. And he does. His passing and his ball handling and his quickness and the and the ability to get in the paint are genuinely elite traits. Like those guys don't fall to forty eight when they have elite traits. Like that's it's just a weird, weird fall. And I, I just I, I just I, I I don't get it, Brad. Like the the teams not watch what Trey Young did in the playoffs. Well, yeah, I like I, it I was because it was it. I'm like it wasn't Trey shot making that was driving teams nuts. It was his passing. These were great defenses that were giving up lobs in the playoffs. That doesn't happen. Like, like, and 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 so to me, I'm like the ability to generate good offense in the half court is is an undervalued skill. Like, there are so many teams that could use a Sharif Cooper level of passer for their teams just to make your other guys play better like just just so that like let's take the magic for example like i'm not saying they should have took cooper over the guys they taken but i i would have if i'm a magic fan i would appreciate if i had cooper to run alongside Suggs right now just to make his life easier right you know just 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 to make window carter's life easier to make mo bamba look good so mo bamba could get easy looks at the rim like just to make all your 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 talented young basketball players play better basketball so that they can feel good. They can feel like they can find spots on the floor where they can actually be consistently successful because they know Cooper's gonna get me the ball in my spot. Like it, it and, and and to me, like there's just so many teams that struggle. And the Celtics being the biggest example, you have the defense, you got the wings, you had them there at 46. But instead, we're gonna play luxury tax games, and draft a guy you're not gonna bring over. Like I'm, I'm not saying that the guy they took isn't gonna be a good player, but like Cooper would have helped y'all long term. Like Cooper <laughs> would have helped you guys actually run a good offense for a change, something y'all haven't done since Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving left. You know, Kyrie Irving left. Like it's, or, I mean, because like y'all saw what it was last year. Like and this is what a lot of teams these these teams do. Like the Pacers, I I don't I don't get it, but I, it's 
Lear lost the Hawks game. Like now the Hawks have the upside of running 48 minutes of elite offense at all times. Yeah, I mean we're gonna talk about him some more not, for not, sure. Not but... not this not this coming season because right. Cooper's probably not gonna play and he's not ready to play. But like that's the benefit of what the Hawks got. They don't need him. That right that's say that's that, that's the last thing that I wanted to make sure we hit on is that because he fell so far, they can they could literally just put him in the G League for this season or most of the season. Like they probably don't, they probably won't do that, but at 48, the flexibility there that allows you both because it brings down expectations, but also because of what you already have on your roster and the commitment that you have to him is so small, like financially, is that you can be careful with him. Like you don't have to push him now. You don't have to put him in situations where he's where he's going to fail. It's a really nice situation on the team side. Like it kind of stinks for Sharif on some level. And this is the point I was trying to make on Twitter that during the night when he was falling before the Hawks took him. Is like, it's not great for him even before the draft to go to Atlanta just because, you know, Trey Young is there. And if you think that, and I, I actually think that Sheree Cooper has like high end starter upside, and that's Me hard. To, that's hard to get to with Trey Young on the, on the team. You're just not going to play enough. But you know, on the Hawks side, like it's obviously a, a complete heist, as we totally agree here. It's just I'm gonna honestly, if you're a big Sharif Cooper fan, as people are. Uh, just outside of the Hawks, like you're almost going to be rooting for him in a couple years to get out of Atlanta because he's going to have to leave to be like the player that he absolutely could be if he it, again if he reaches his ceiling. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but if you think if he's as good as he could be in my brain, he's going to not be in Atlanta beyond year three or four because they're going to have to move on from him because he's going to be too good. That's the yeah, question. But not a but bad like, thing, by the way. <laughs> in the in the short, but in the short, like in the here and now, like you get. And you get Cooper and Trey Young, 48 minutes. Like, you know, Andrew Kelly brought it up on Twitter. Like, just the value of not having to change your offense when Cooper comes into the game. Yep. Because he does the things Trey Young does. Like, everybody else can just do the same thing. That's going to be massive. Oh, the cohesion there. And particularly with a coach like Nate, who is, like, a still a pretty old-school guy, for him to, like, not have to worry about changing this entire – everything when Trey leaves the court is uh it's a huge thing. I mean, I do think that's more for year two or three. Like, I don't think that realistically Cooper's going to play a lot early in the year. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's really not like you have the Wright, you have Trey young. Um, he's going to, he's going to go to college park. You know, Travis said that at some point, and that's, that's the, that's the reason to have a G league team is to go have a guy play basketball, but year two, year three, if he's working out to be able to do that, like you said, to be able to feel that, cohesion is really helpful and even if you didn't like Cooper even if you were low on him in before the draft I can't find a soul that's like oh that's a bad pick at 48 <laughs> it's like you know even if you were down on him like nobody had him that low nobody even t- even people that were like notably low on Tree Cooper nobody had him 48 nobody the Hawks the Hawks had picks in the 20 had pick number 20 and 48 and got two lottery talents out of it yeah, Again, that, that's a good transition to, like to Jalen, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's an absolute heist. And I know, you know, in the past, the second round picks in this in this regime have not like been great shakes. But this is the best talent by far. I know, I know, people. Some people had Bruno as a top twenty pick. Um, I, I think that Shrew Cooper is a, a more talented player. So we'll get into that um, much more later I mean, on. Summer league before, stuff. And, before we talk about Jalen Johnson, like I think he's more talented coming out than Dennis Schroeder was. Uh, I mean, that's not I, unreasonable. <laughs> I mean, I, and I think it's a good comp, considering uh, you know Schroeder 
he had the idea of a jumper. He had he had a better idea of a jumper, but but uh, Schroeder did. But Cooper is just a much better point guard, like just period, right now than than Dennis Schroeder was uh, coming out coming out of Germany. And so like to get like and Dennis Schroeder fall is falls. Like Dennis Schroeder is a quality NBA player, and I think Shreve Cooper like his his floor is what Dennis Schroeder is right now. And that's still like, that's still a valuable basketball player in today's NBA. Just somebody who can get to the paint consistently, but you add the fact that he's just an elite passer to that. Like, that's just a different caliber of player to me. And so like the Hawks are, I mean, slank, slank done it again, man. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) All right. On that, on that note, let's go to Jalen. Jalen Johnson. We know the, we know the story. Top 10 high school prospect, falls to 20, has some weird uh, stuff in his past. Even Travis sort of alluded to it on draft night without specifics, but like, you know, just had kind of a weird background and um, had some motor issues in college, et cetera. But obviously a really talented guy. I know you like the pick. I like the pick. Um, what do you want to get into about Jalen Johnson? Is it just like, well, by the way, another guy who benefits from the lack of pressure on him right away because he doesn't have to play a lot right away even as a top 20 pick, because the Hawks are loaded. Um, if, especially if they bring back John Collins, they're going to have Collins and Gallo again, like Andy Andre Hunter, they can all play the four. Like There aren't like incumbent minutes for Jalen Johnson, but man, if you watch some of the flashes, and it was not consistent necessarily, but they're buying the talent here. Like There's no question about that. They're drafting, and Travis sort of said it a few times, like talented player, talented player, talented player is kind of the the modus operandi here. Like They just they know what they're getting into, there's some risk for sure, but uh, I mean, there's a lot to like. It's kind of the way that I'll start. It's just there's a lot to like here. Well, I mean, the risk is that he absolutely quit on a bad Duke team, uh, and like that's why he he was available at twenty. Because to me, just on basketball talent alone, he's one of the ten best players in this draft class. He's six nine. Seven foot wingspan, two ten plus at only nineteen years old, and he's a great passer. Like legitimately, a, not only is he a great passer, he's a smart basketball player. Like just high IQ basketball player. I'm I'm seeing like the the few games I'm watching, I'm seeing Jalen Johnson just get guys open with his eyes, shot fakes, pass fakes, like just to get open three pointers for his teammates. Unfortunately, Jalen Johnson decided to go to Duke where they built the team around Matthew Hurt, who oof, I, don't, I don't know what, what Kay's been doing. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess he retired. I know he's retiring after this year, but I think he retired a long time ago because that, that team just looked like they weren't well coached. And, like, I can uh, – like had, I can understand Jalen Johnson's frustration. Like, he was functionally the team center, which is funny because, <laughs> you know, he, he. I'm pretty sure he doesn't consider himself a big man. Oh, he, he doesn't. Like, and also Travis came out um, in the – I think you probably heard it, but Travis came out in, in the post-draft press conference and somebody asked him about, like, if this was any any way related to a Kongwu, and Travis flout said Jalen's on the center. So uh, combo forward is the term uh, that they are using. With him, I mean, because he played center for the majority of the time at Duke, and I'm pretty sure he wasn't a fan. That said, I was actually pretty impressed with uh, his pick and roll defense as 
as the team center, you know, just playing the two man. Now he was good at it because Jalen Johnson at Duke kind of played as if he only had X amount of steps that he could, if, if he went over his odometer, I think he thought he was going to die because the hustle <laughs> plays were not there. No, he, the effort plays. the motor was, was there, the Brad. motor was not there. Ooh. By the way, uh, like, I, I know you're going to say it, but uh, you tweeted you tweeted the comparison that you have today, and it's uh, it's one that we have to at least discuss. It's the yeah uh, yeah he's, it's the, the Josh Smith one. Yeah, it's the close to home comparison of uh, another uh, Cobb County High School product. <laughs> McKeechan's own Josh Smith. Smith. Uh, yeah, but there there are a lot of they're they're not exactly the same, but same draft range for the Hawks. Same uh, at least similar questions between the two players. Uh, there are a lot of parallels. And it's been a while. I know people that are younger than we are may not remember much of the Josh Smith era because uh, he's my age and I'm old. But uh, it's pretty similar, man, in a lot of respects. Like, he's very similar in that, in both for good and ill, in that incredibly talented, super smart, and you couldn't pay that man any amount of money to do a single box out ever. Or to like get in a defensive stance one time, like it's just not happening. And so, like, there's some stuff Jalen's gonna have to clean up. Um, they, there's like there's a lot of bad tape of him. Like, Jalen Johnson made getting back on defense look actively pain- like he was actually dying. Like, it it looked like <laughs> watching him run back as if he was if he was going to die, like it was actually killing him. And, and maybe I, he was I, do, I do encourage Hawks fans to watch. They're not, there's not a ton. It's because I think it was 13 games. I do. I think Hawks fans should watch some full games of Jalen Johnson at Duke. Cause like the, the highlight tapes are good to scout off of, but I mean, Tyler's not wrong. I mean, so, some of the transition stuff, some of the effort stuff is just pretty bad. And that is, but, 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 but when he has a chance to make a play. Right, exactly. All of a sudden he turns it on. Like, oh, in transition, it on it's, it's breathtaking. I mean, when he, when, yeah. he, when, he, when, he, when he turns it on and the long stride and. And has the ball in The ball hand. handling, like he, he does, the flashes are really, really, really impressive. And that's what they're buying. I mean, obviously a lot of guys, and this is an optimistic thing, but a lot of guys, when they become pros, uh, the light comes on. And they get coached differently, and now it's their job, and they know that they can't coast. There's a moment sometime, somewhere, where they realize that, like, I'm going to be out of the league if I don't play hard. And the light comes on. Now, but not – and other guys, it doesn't. But it's going to be interesting to see, I, you know, how that goes for him in Atlanta when he's not playing a lot. Because, like, I know I've said this. What do you make of the fit? Because, like – I think it's good for him to not be relied on early on, but the the opposite side of that is that he won't be playing a lot. And some guys need to play to sort of grow and get better and all that. And like, I mean, unless Collins leaves, there's not going to be a whole lot of playing time. Like, I think he's going to play some because he's a first round pick that's talented. But there's not like this is not like three years ago when the Hawks would make a pick in the first round and they play a lot of minutes. Like that's those days are not over for a while. Yeah, and so it's going to be on him to uh, keep, you know, working on his game because they're going to need him. It's just not going to be this. Like, they might need him for spurts this year, but they're almost certainly going to need him in year two and year three uh, just based on the roster crunch they have to do. And they also – they really need his skill right now, his ability 
to grab and go and transition is something the Hawks don't have. And like yeah. his, his ability to generate offense that way is an option they don't have. And they also don't have his passing. Like I say, he is a great passer. Like I actually think he's going to be pretty good um, in the Hawks in the half court uh, just due to the fact his passing and his ability to get into the paint, make the pass that makes make the initial pass, you know, penetrate defense, make the pass that'll get somebody else open uh, so that they can make the pass. Like he's just really smart, really good at, you know, those type of fundamentals. Um, He's a, he's not a a super elite athlete, but he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, But his athleticism really shows up in transition. Uh, But he's a good athlete to your point. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not like, he's not going to, he's not Josh Smith athletically. Yeah, he's not Josh. That, that's one of the comps, and, that, and and the and the and that's important to note because he can't take plays off like Josh Smith could. No, like he like there was some stuff he was doing and he was getting away with in college. That's just not going to fly in the NBA. And I think like, he'll, I think he'll figure that out. But I, I, I'm yeah. glad you the thing about the grab and go and like that's where you know they're not drafting for fit by any means. They they definitely are not doing that. Travis is not a fit drafter for the most part, but he does do some stuff that they don't have. And, like, they have a lot of talent on this team. Everyone knows that. They have a lot of, obviously, malleable pieces. But they don't have, like you said, like, none of their bigs are grab-and-go, like, push bigs off the dribble. And they're not great passers. You know, John Collins is probably his worst trade offensively is his passing. Um, So Johnson does kind of fill in the gaps a little bit there. And, you know, a year year from now, you have to project him to be in the rotation. This year, we'll see... Um, and actually, this is going to be fascinating because it didn't really ever happen last year. Uh, if Chicago had been healthy, I was all prepared to talk about like the the give and take between you know giving your your first round pick and in, in that case it was a lottery pick, giving him minutes that he may, maybe not um, should be getting in terms of like just trying to win um, versus trying to win. And this year it'll be even more stark because it's a it's a pick that's lower down. You presumably will be more healthy. And last year, Kongwu was the backup center, like by design, coming into the year. Jalen Johnson is not going to be the backup power forward unless John Collins leaves. So it's going to be interesting to see what, like, how Nate handles that. Like, do they just give him minutes on purpose to keep him integrated, or do they try to win every night and play their guys? Like, I don't really know how they're going to handle that, and I'll be fascinated to see. Yeah, I think that'll be a that'll that'll be interesting to see. But it, it, I think. Ultimately, he'll play enough minutes, you know, just due to the attrition of the regular season. Like, he'll have stretches where he's playing a lot. Well, and, Ga- and, and Gallo, so, Gallo and- might get the uh, – what I think was the plan last year with Gallo was to, like, not play him as much, and then they had so many injuries that they had to play him a lot. Exactly. Like, that kind of guy, like, Gallo might just be like a – have that, here's here's one off on a back-to-back, Gallo. Just take the night off or And, and especially with else. Gallo play, playing the Olympics. So, like, they, he might even play early. So – We'll, we'll, we'll see with Jalen. I, I think he's going to play a healthy amount of minutes. Not a lot, though. Um, another thing to talk about, though, defensively, though, he's, he, he, his lack of motor aside and lack of, like, really effort plays, like, he's got great hands. Like, just – and he makes the type of play – like, similar to Cam Reddish and how he's able to get his hand on the basketball. Like, he's very good at that. He's, he's also very good at contesting without fouling, verticality. Uh, granted, he doesn't leave the ground because he's not, you know, again, the effort plays aren't there. But, like, 
he's really good at contesting, you know, vert- vertical without jumping, without falling for pump fakes and getting his ball in the hands, and getting jump balls. Like he's just there's some flash. He's just that, a, for sure. Like he's just a talented basketball player, and like if he can put it together, this is a no doubt one of the best players in his draft class potential. Like he has legit all star potential. So does Cooper. He also averaged he uh, like both of them do. To the and defensive so it's, point, it's by the just way, like to me, like just to add more depth to this team, considering how ravaged they were with injuries last year, like he's an upgrade over what they had as their like 14th, 13th, 12th man last year. Oh, on talent like, for sure. I mean, not even like he just is like he's just a yeah because he just has a higher upside and he has he 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 just has more more that he can do with the basketball in his hands. Like I, I, I to me, I was really impressed just with the total package of him. And and like I said before, if he didn't, I mean, if he didn't quit at Duke and I, <laughs> I get why he quit, but like, it, it's tough. It like, it, it, at the same time, if you're a lottery team, you, you're looking at a guy who quit for a bad Duke team. You're like, well, we can't have this. Right. And right. Hawks, you know, we're going to be, ba- we're going to be bad. We're going to be bad. Is he going to like, just, and the roster might not fit or, he might play with some non-shoes or he might play with basketball players that don't know what they're supposed to do. Is he going to just give up? Like that's a real concern that teams have. And that's why he dropped all the way to 20 where playing for the Hawks. One, Trey Young's not going to play with that. Like, no, Trey Young is all about winning. Like Trey Young is a Uber competitor and like, they're not going to tolerate some of the stuff he was doing at Duke on the court, like on the court. I'm, I'm talking about the, just the lack of intensity on his on his part. Like he's he's gonna have to play with a bit more urgency to himself if he even wants to have a chance to play. Because Nate McMillan's not gonna play that. Like Nate benched John Collins this season multiple times for like low effort plays every once in a while. Like no, Nate Nate, will, Nate does not fool around with uh Nate will that. bench anybody if if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And so like if Jalen wants to even have a chance to play this year, like he's gonna have to bring it in practice every every practice. He's gonna have to put in his hours in development, and he's gonna have to play well in the G League, just so that you know if he wants to earn that trust of his teammates, um, that's just what he's gonna have to do. Or he's just not gonna play a single minute this season. Like that's just the reality of the situation. Yep, that's uh that's well said. Um, and then defensively, I I want to say earlier like. He had really good. He had really good block and steal rates, even without the effort, which kind of tells you the natural stuff that he has, like the anticipation, yeah. the physicality. Like he he was able to generate those kind of activity plays, those you know the stats Brad, and stuff when, without without when he without was trying. Locked in. Yeah. When he was locked in, he was telling the guys what they need to do, where they need to be. Like he's a he like I said, he's a heady, smart basketball player. He yeah. should if he if he just. You if see what you see with the passing. The, the the feel is the feel is really good when he's when he's dialed. And that's what you like. Like I'm like, I, I watch. I'm like, man, why why did the Warriors pass this guy up? This is exactly what they need. Just another smart basketball player with real athletic talent. Oh, I, I, I remember my, my one my one thing that we have to get to before I get out of here. We're, we're going long. That's fine. Um, it's more. It's, it's actually an offense. Do you think he's going to shoot? Because I mean, I know he shot. 44% from three in college, but it was 18 attempts, so I don't care about that. And shooting is a legitimate question about him. Do you think it's going to work as a shooter? Um, I think 
the jumper is fine. Uh, right? That's, that's like, kind of where I am. I, like, the free throw shooting is not great you know, either, which is not look, looking at him, great. Looking at him shooting, looking at him sh- as a shooter, like just flat out, like I, it's not a strength, but I don't think it's like, like it's not Ben Simmons level of he's not no. even going to try. It's more of, but it, at the same time, I think John Collins was way further ahead of him as a shooter, even in college. Even though John Collins didn't take didn't jumpers, shoot threes, yeah. <laughs> His even, was, even, was pretty this, good, though. But but like the um, just in general, like John's like shot profile, you could you you could just kind of tell that John had a had high shooting upside. His, Whereas, uh, well, Collins I, I Collins touches elite. I mean, it always it always yeah. was like you could see on push shots. Like touch is not something you can just like learn either. And John yeah, Collins is and, elite touch. And Jalen's touch, I don't, I don't think it's like poor. But it's, but, not, it's not, but it's not great. Special. Yeah, it's not great, and like the jumper is just—it's just, it's just uh, he'll take it if it's there. But it, it's not—it's not the thing he's looking to do. He's looking no. to pass. Like he's either looking to pass or he's looking to get to the rim, uh, to try to either dunk the ball or lay it up. And the thing—the good thing with him uh, is he's pretty good at with either hand. Um, so he's a. He can finish with his left or his right, um, so that's you know for if you're a limited shooter, that that's a good starting point for him to at least be able to generate some level of offense for him. But yeah, it is as a shooter, he he's got he he's got work to do, like clearly. But like, yeah, I, I just want to bring that up because obviously that's one of the major that's one of the major questions. Not, but the the good the good thing is on this Hawks team with all the shooting that he's going to be surrounded with. I don't think it, and plus Capella's ability as a lob threat. His passing will open up uh, areas of the floor that w- wouldn't be available to John Collins if he if John Collins couldn't shoot, right? Because so I, I'm yeah. not, yeah, yeah. So I'm not I'm not concerned with like spacing issues that he might have, but it is something he's going to have to work on. I I guess you could probably equate it to like offensively, like he's kind of like Draymond Green, uh, but a much better finisher. Uh, just that type of role on offense. Like he's he's not a natural. Like he's not a scorer in the half court. Period. Like that's just that's yeah. Like that's, he, that's one of the he things. He's score, not a uh... his, his scoring comes on comes in transition and it comes from him creating his stuff in transition. But in the half court, though, like I think he can do well mismatch post ups um, and stuff like that. Outside of that, though, like just because he can't shoot and like defenders are just going like he's going to be guarded by fours and fives in this league you know like I, I don't think he i don't think he can play the three not, not unless he showed some ability to get in a defensive stance like he's a clear yeah i think he's um, a four too i mean i i think there's yeah. i know they use the term combo four i think there's like maybe a path to him playing the three a little bit at some point but i think he's gonna be a, a primary four for his for his entire career that's my guess i mean um, but you know some guys just can't get low like he's a big guy like he, he's a legit six nine. Like, well, t- taking taking the comp to its uh, to to an extreme, there is no chance in the world Josh Smith plays the three if he's drafted in twenty twenty one. I know I know he played the three when he was young. That would not have happened now. It just never would have happened. Like he would have he, he would have been playing the four and small ball five, <laughs> and he played the three for like years in Atlanta. That that, that would not have happened now. No way. Agreed. Um, yeah, and and but but like I said, like he can play the four. Like he's. He, he and John Collins are the same same weight 
and height bracket. So oh, like, yeah. that's, that's not four, a, he's got he's got plenty of size at the four in the modern NBA. That's not a concern at all. Um, all right. Well, we've gone we've gone long as we always do. In fact, I think this is gonna be two podcasts, but that's okay. We're uh, used to that. Um, anything else you want to go off your chest? If not, uh, we can uh, we can plug your uh, infamous Twitter account, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk during summer league or after it or something because I can already see your tweets right now from summer league, which is uh, less than a week away. By the way, we're, we're getting very close. Can't wait. I can't wait for more Hawks basketball. And now that they got a man, it's so good to see the Hawks just have so much talent and just to rub it in to all these other teams that, you know, are trading for Josh Richardson willingly uh, and potentially giving up the better basketball player in the trade. Like, it's just so good to see the Hawks just be institutionally better than these teams. You know, I, you know the Mavericks with their no talent. You know, we didn't talk about that in the playoffs. You know, it was pretty funny how all of a sudden you see these tweets about what if Luka got to play with the talent <laughs> that the Hawks had. I was like, that's a that's an interesting comment, Twitter. That's an interesting conversation. I'm I'm glad you guys are having that. There's there's a certain trade that happened that 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 didn't allow that to happen. So I'm just. I'm just happy to see the Hawks with all their young talent, you know, just be able to stunt, stunt on the rest of the NBA. Uh, I I feel good. I don't know about these other teams, but I personally feel good. But I don't have anything else, Brad. Well, there you go. Uh, you, you you feel good. I'm not surprised by that. Uh, you should. It's a very very fun time to be a Hawks fan. I would have to say, like, there's a. A lot of young talent. Uh, Trey Young will almost certainly have a new contract in the next couple of days. That'll be fun. He'll be locked in long term. Oh, oh, wow, wow. We going this long? We not gonna talk about uh, old Jerry Colangelo? I, I brought it up. And, in, I brought it up quickly on Friday. I'm sure you, you might have heard. It. I brought it up on my emergency podcast Ooh. just just to mention that Jerry uh, Jerry had a comment that people didn't like, which is uh, wow. it, it did not go over wow. well. It, it did not go over well in Atlanta, as, as I predicted. Trey Young is just some young guy. Just a young guy. You know. Yep. Damn, I didn't. I didn't know Team USA had the clout to uh, <laughs> to just turn away somebody who led his team to the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, and put up forty eight game one against Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I, I didn't know. I didn't know the NBA had that level. I, I mean, I get it. They had to have Keldon Johnson <laughs> and Jeremy Grant on the team because Lord knows, <laughs> Lord knows, that's what—that's exactly what this Team USA team needed. Just another forward who cannot do anything with the ball in his hands like that. So shout shout out to Jerry for his roster building. Like I'm, I'm glad I'm glad he gets to spend his retirement stealing money from whoever uh, owns Team USA because. Uh, that, I mean, that explanation, now, the real explanation is probably that Pop doesn't like Trey Young at all, doesn't like his game, which, I mean, he's about to retire too, so hopefully, hopefully Team USA, you know, once they finish fourth place, you know, they can come on home and, you know, all, all those players can be mad that, man, you know, they they can be mad at Pop and they can be mad at Team USA and never play for, for, for the uh, red, white, and blue again, and you know, hopefully, I, I really do hope they lose every game. Like I, I root for it. I'm, I, even though I'm an American, I don't care. Like I, I just, I find it appalling that. And that was the I'm, one. I'm kind of glad somebody at least answered the question. But like that, like what his explanation wasn't an answer. Like one, it wasn't an answer, and two, 
again, Trey Young is going to be in the MVP conversation, but he's not good enough for this Team USA team. Are they out of their mind? But, you know, again, Pop, Pop didn't, Pop didn't want it. You know, Lord, God forbid a basketball player <laughs> do something that Pop doesn't like. God forbid. Uh, you know, he's the, he's the only guy, like, he's the only guy who knows how good basketball is played. So just single, whatever. single-handedly turned uh, a bunch of Hawks fans, including yourself into uh anti-American propaganda. Anti-American. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Uh, but no, I'm glad, I'm glad we got to that because I, I should have asked you about that at the beginning. But here we go. We, we probably still be talking about it. So I'm glad I said it to the end because we wouldn't we, would, we didn't go 20 minutes on, T, on Team USA here at the top of the podcast. But we wouldn't we would never be done with this podcast. Oh, I know we'd be recording until Tuesday. Um, <laughs> all right, Tyler. Well, thank you for doing this, man. Uh, this is gonna be two parts. People, this is the end of part two. But uh, if you have anything to plug, feel free. Yeah, you can follow me at Jonesy2x4 on Twitter. Uh, it was Gundam the last time I was on. I had to pause my Gundam marathon because I'm waiting on waiting on my Blu-rays to come through. You have, so I you, have, you have Hawks fans mad at me now for not knowing what you're talking about when you do these plugs. I got, now I get people in my mentions like wanting me to learn what you're talking about, and now I think it's funnier that, I don't, that I don't that I don't know anything. But it's Gundam just, uh, guys, a thirty or not or oh man, it was funny. Uh, one of the Olympic American Olympic announcers didn't know what how to pronounce Gundam. I don't even know how 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 you could not it's literally g-u-n-d-a-m but they pronounce it like some foreign name Go- I'm like, wow. yeah yes or something like that i'm like what are y'all doing but uh i wouldn't yeah you, you can follow you can follow me at jonesy 2x4 on twitter i don't have any i don't have anything new i'm i'm uh like i said i'm waiting on those blu-rays i'm uh You'll, you'll, you're gonna be like really I'm mad like, at like E.B. Watson by like by like next Sunday. You'll be mad at like the the seventh guy on the Hawks Summer League team. It's gonna be awesome. Oh God! When when when, when they get the one shooter, <laughs> the poor one shooter that they signed to this team, and he's not making shots, I'm gonna be angry at that dude. So unfortunate to that guy. It's not his fault, but like I will be blaming him if if uh, if Sharif Cooper is struggling for whatever reason. So. Uh, Follow Tyler yeah. is what I will say. Follow this man on Twitter if he lets you. He's a locked account, but he might he might he might open the door for you. Uh, blame blame capitalism. I understand completely. Uh, but as always, sir, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll do this again very soon. I'm sure. See you next time, guys. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. We'll be back again with free agent stuff throughout the week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>